Okay, so... Today... Today, I had a vision. And in this vision, it kind of was just like revealing certain things. Now I can't remember, but... I know I'm being attacked by the enemy. I see all kinds of different things going on. But now things are actually starting to catch up. Excuse me, a lineup. It's starting to manifest in our life. So I'm confident in God. I know who he is. I know what he's doing in my life. And I know that he's giving me, you know, power over this situation, power over my entire family, you know, to keep them out of, you know, recreating or re- enforcing more generational curses that he has been in the process of breaking. So I saw a vision. In his vision, I talked about this. I was sitting at a table, and this woman walked up, and she was an Asian, and she just walked up, and she just had some papers, and she walked up, and she was just, like, discussing some certain things, and it, it seemed like I was at a seminar or something, just a place where they have, like, seminars and all kinds of stuff like that. But I just had this feeling like, you know... This is going too far. Like, this is not the way to go. This is not supposed to happen like this. Immediately, I was, it was like this thing, like, was your mom and sister here? And then it's like, my mom was sitting right next to me. And then I looked at her face, and her face was just looking so eager to, like, you know, get through with it and get on with it. Like, she really just wanted to make something happen. And then me, I was there, and I guess, like, I was in the perspective of the person that they were speaking to, so I don't know why they asked, is your mom and sister here? Because then it's like, okay, now I'm realizing, like, I'm a few different people. So the lady, she's um, writing, she's talking about this paperwork or whatever, and I just get the urge to, like, get up and leave. But it was this feeling like, no, you don't have to do all that. You don't have to you know, do it in that way. You, there's other ways that you can do it, but I'm in a different environment where I'm having to fight differently because, you know, the way that I usually fight is just something I've had to learn and pick up on as, you know, after a while of being around certain individuals. And that's not really how I guess they're necessarily doing it over here. Not that, you know, I can't handle it. It's just that, you know, I didn't really want to learn anything from over here if I felt like I wasn't going to stay over here. And the reason why I didn't know if I was going to stay over here is because, you know, when I was at my lowest, you know, nobody really was there for me. Nobody really cared for me. And I, you know, I highly doubt that, you know, these individuals weren't aware of who I was or weren't capable of being there for me, and they weren't. And so, you know, I don't want to assume that they weren't, though, because it feels like more information is coming out, and it's feeling like, you know, maybe they were there for certain things. They just weren't, you know... It wasn't clear to me because as I said, it's like I'm blind. It's like I don't I can't see. I can't hear. I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm just fighting, you know, what I know does not feel right. And the thing about it is this learned behavior, because when it comes down to it. What ended up having to happen is I had to keep running into things that just didn't feel good for me or just were like brutal or just torture or torment. And the, the more that I ran into these things, the more I learned not to run into these things or how to avoid these things or how to fight these things. But overall, like my mind had been known, like this is not, you know, necessarily an indication of conquering anything or accomplishing anything. Cause I don't even know what I'm doing or what's happening. I'm just learning not to do that. And 
when it comes down to a yeah, I'll poss- I'll possibly be able to fight and win and you know wean off certain individuals, but this is not you know going to apply for everybody. This is not going to work in every situation, and it doesn't make you invincible. It doesn't make you invincible. It just makes you you know, it just means you made it through this. It makes you stronger, but. I wouldn't even say that. Like, I don't know about the stronger thing. I guess, of course, you can say that I'm I'm made stronger. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I feel like I'm only learning a certain area of things when there's so much more out there to learn. And then I'm being kept from, you know, broadening my horizons, really. You know, with so many different ways. Like, honestly, like, I'm usually told, like, don't trust anybody. Nobody was there for you, you know. And... They left you for dead and all this other stuff. But then more recently, I feel like it's coming out like you got jumped into something and all kinds of stuff like that. And it's like, you know, I don't know why God would, you know, place me in this environment. But I just do know the prophecy on my life. And I do know, you know, what he told me to come here and do. And with that being said, it wouldn't necessarily ever be about them, these people surrounding me or the things that I've had to go through in the process of this. But just about what God has shown me. You know, he needs me to do where he what he's shown me he has me here for. I wouldn't abandon it for, you know, a different opportunity, even though it feels as if like. Did God ever say you cannot, you know, take advantage of other opportunities? Absolutely not. Did God ever say that you can't, you know, venture off into other things? Absolutely not. He did not say that. And if I can handle it, I can do whatever I want to do. And I can handle it. I can handle whatever I want to handle. But. The goal has been what God sent me on a mission here to do. Revise the people of Houston. And so is this still Houston? Like this 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 realm that I'm kind of venturing off into, is this still Houston? Does this still have to do with my mission or my assignment? Does it really have anything to do with that? Because when it becomes selfish intent, that's when you, you kind of start inching off into the realm of, well, then you didn't even have to do all that you had to do here because this whole time I was, I was going through this, I'm like, do I really have to go through this? Is this assignment really that important? And if I'm going to venture off away from my assignment anyways, then couldn't I have been abandoned this assignment? I never had to go through this up until this point. And it kind of starts to look like, you know, well, then they used you up until they didn't feel like using you no more, just like they told me that they would do. They said that, but I just didn't. I never cared what they would say because I would say, you know, they said a lot of stuff. And, you know, it seems like they're making plans without God. It seems like they're assuming that they're going to be able to do things outside of God's will, you know. And God is, you know, making it clear what he's doing. So it kind of almost doesn't even matter what they say or how they feel about it. It's going to happen how God intends for it to happen regardless. But... All I know is, you know, things haven't been feeling quite right. And I just got tired of feeling so abused and, you know, feeling taken advantage of. And I felt like it didn't have to go like that. Like, I really could just start doing things my own way. But I just felt like if I'm going to start being selfish now, does that defeat the whole purpose of ever doing it the way that I did it? I don't know. It's not that I want to keep justifying things. It's just that, you know... I have a goal, like I've seen my future, I've seen the woman that I've become, I've seen her, you know, and so when anything else is introduced or offered to me, and it doesn't line up with that, I know that that's not the way to go, and that's just simply what it is, it's never a, you know, 
it's never anything else, but people see it a certain kind of way. And I think the way I've, you know, made sense of this to myself is like, people don't want to believe it's God. No matter how many, how much proof it is, you know, everyone knows that, that there's, you know, who God is. Everyone knows there's a God. Everybody knows who God is. That's just simple facts. But a lot of people will deny that. A lot of people will deny the power of God because they don't want to submit to it. So oftentimes, like, you're going to get a whole bunch of different reasons behind what you're doing. Like, people are going to want to, like, People are going to want to somehow play some sort of logic on it to make sense of it. You know, they always try to write off the miracles of Jesus Christ. You know, this man, as a blind man, born blind, stood in front of, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees in the temple and told them what happened, told them that Jesus cured him of his blindness. And they wouldn't believe it. They just couldn't believe it, even though they saw him blind before. That's what's going to happen in this world. It's going to be a bunch of different people who want to write off the things of God. They want to make sense of it with logic or different things in this world just to deny the fact that this is the Messiah, you know, the resurrected King, Jesus Christ, who lives. This power, the power in his blood is the same power. It's always been, it doesn't change. It's never lost any power. And it's, you know, he's performing miraculous signs right before our very eyes and people don't want to acknowledge it. They don't want to submit to it. And honestly, when it comes to the scribes and the Pharisees, the reason why I feel like it's so similar is they were jealous. They were extremely jealous of Jesus Christ. They wanted to discredit him. And when they couldn't find anything wrong with the things that he was saying and everything matched up and everything made sense and everything was like, you know, no, that's, you know, mind blowing. And they marveled at everything that he said. They saw that he was marvelous. After everything, they just made stuff up. Like, if we can't find something on you, if we can't catch you doing something, if we can't pretend like, you know, you're wrong or make you look bad, we're just going to lie about it. We're just going to get you anyways because we can. You know, just because just because that's that's just where we sit. We sit in a place where we can just say you did something or make it look like you're wrong when you've never been wrong. There's never been a real reason, you know, for us to convict you or condemn you. But the thing about it is, you know, Jesus has spoken to me about the scribes and the Pharisees that convicted him and that condemned him. He said to me, they felt that they were right. They felt they were right in what they were doing. And that's what it is. It's going to come people who feel that they're right in persecuting you, who feel that they're right in judging you, who feel that they're right and ultimately casting a judgment that, you know, leads to possibly your demise or just anything pertaining to, you know, keeping you from your ultimate destiny, but they never will be able to, they're going to walk you right up to it. And I know that I feel that I hear it. I see it, but also just wanted to talk about, you know, you know, as I said, like, it's no point in changing anything now, you know, God has already exposed so much to me and, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I have the power to do whatever I want to do, you know, in God. God has the power to do whatever he wants to do in me, so I'm not going to take advantage and start doing selfish things, looking at things from a selfish angle. I may slip up and make, and make mistakes, but I'm just not going to give up on God's assignment for me. I haven't all the way up to this point. What would be the reason to do that now? 
No one intimidates me more than God does. Nobody scares me more than God does. I do not fear anybody above God. So anybody in the process on the, along the way of what I'm having to deal with or go go through, I'll just have to go through it, you know. Because obviously there's other ways to handle this, you know. I've been told and it's been like, you know, even exposed to me. There's different people around me who possibly handle themselves better in this situation. And that's just your perspective. That's your view on it because... There's nothing stopping me from doing things the way that you're doing things. There's never been anything stopping me from lying about stuff, which is why I have a good name. Because I don't, you know, a lot of times people want to use my good name a lot. You know, if I were lying like you, my name wouldn't be as good as it is. That's what it is. You know, people want to, if I ever wanted to, you know, steal, if I ever wanted to cheat, if I ever wanted to you know, bully someone out of something just because I wanted it. If I ever wanted to break certain rules just to just because I felt like it, that's what I would be doing. There's nothing to stop me from doing that. It's nothing stopping you. So why would you feel like it's anything stopping me? But people don't like thinking stuff like this through when they're overcome with jealousy and rage. You know, oftentimes they're just saying, I know what I would do with that. I know how I would handle that. I know this, that, you know, and can only see it from their perspective. And I have to admit I'm guilty of that too. But this is why I am, you know, reaching out to Jesus. This is why I'm reaching out to God. This is why I'm aware I need him at all times because the fact of the matter is without him, I'm blind just like everybody else. I can't speak on you without God. I don't know what I'm doing without God. I'm not in a position to lead either, meaning you are not in a position to lead, especially without God. So it's like I'm just facing and dealing with different things on another level, but I've seen it all before. And sometimes I wonder what crowd, what environment must I be around that they're not aware that this stuff is is happening and going on at all times. Because it's like the people who are around me, the people who've been here the whole time, they are aware. They know. And you can tell that they know how they move. I can't waste all day trying to expose them to every new environment that they they are exposing me to because they don't want to be known for what they've already been capable of and doing. I can't waste my time exposing them all the time. A lot of people want to discredit me and discredit my, you know, you know, um, credibility because why didn't you say that before why don't you open your mouth why aren't you saying this and it's like if you were in my shoes and you understood that they would use up a hundred percent of my time to spend on them and exposing all of their lies and conniving schemes you would understand why I don't say anything I let people see it for themselves in time because I'm going to do me I'm going to be here focusing on this mission. I've had to learn in time to put God first, put his assignment first, put his mission, his missions first. Everything else will line up. And if it doesn't, it wasn't meant to. If you don't know, if you don't figure out who these people are, you weren't meant to know. And I've, I've, expo- I've, I've dealt with this on so many different occasions where I've been in environments and I've been around people who are just so unaware, so unaware. And I want them to know so bad especially God's people. I want them to know so bad. I want you to know. I want to expose everything to you. I want to sit here and have a whole conversation with you about all the stuff that goes down here and all that is consisted of. And I want to, you know, actually give you all the tips, all the tricks, all the inside information, all the secrets on how to avoid going through things the way I've gone through things. I want to guide you like that. But I can't. Not everybody. Because 
first of all, I have people fighting me all the time. Satan is using individuals to fight me all the time. Because why would he want me to help pull people out of his, you know, strong delusion and his tactics and his, you know, plans and and evil schemes in order to drag your soul and way more souls through you who you'll encounter in your lifetime because you have to understand it's not just one it's everybody you'll encounter and impact in your lifetime I will never forget you know the vision about judgment and this man spoke about how a woman made one Facebook post and dragged 5,000 souls down the hill with it because they all followed behind her and that could be you. God showed me I will impact millions in my lifetime. So imagine how many people you will impact. And yes, you will be held accountable for every single last soul you drag down the hill due to your nonsense and due to your example. That blood is on your hands, quite literally. So, no, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not doing this selfishly. It's it's never for selfish intent. It's never for selfish intent. I have selfish ways about me still, of course, because when you compare yourself to Jesus Christ, we're all very selfish, extremely selfish. Even the most selfless person is still selfish compared to Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and he never he never did a thing. He never did anything wrong. He never committed a sin. He never he was innocent. So. He's the example. Jesus is the example. And I'm trying to follow after it. So with that being said, you know, a lot of these different environments that I'm encountering and things that I'm going through in the process, I'm aware. Like, I'm aware. Like, I cannot I cannot say anything. People are working against me at all times to keep me from exposing these things. And oftentimes, even if I say, you know what, I'm gonna, I can do whatever I want, so I'm gonna fight you to save this person. What'll happen is, while I'm sitting here saving you or doing everything that I possibly can and to help you, they'll be over here attacking the ultimate assignment, the overall assignment. And I can do both, but at the end of the day, they know. Anytime they know that I'm focused or more directly focused on something or a certain individual, they will you know, do everything they can to destroy anything in my assignment so they can push me back on that. And then once I'm caught up on that, they'll say, we well, are not getting that because they are so angry that I, they cannot, you know, keep me from the ultimate goal here. So you're not going to be saved anyways. This is how these people are. They don't care. They're going to say, oh, you did all that to protect them. So I'm going to make sure you don't have them. Cause I know for a fact, when it comes down to it, you're going to choose God's assignment for you. So why, you know, I, it sounds messed up, but I have to make a choice. And obviously, that's the best thing to do. It's the best thing to do. And the reason why is because, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, God, if it's, if it's in his will to save you, if you can be saved, if you're not headed for destruction and you know, he can place power in you enough in order to join this fight and in order to be a part of his ultimate goal and outcome of it for this situation. You will be saved anyways when I choose my assignment, when I choose God. I mean, I'm not choosing my assignment. I'm choosing God. I don't want to keep calling the assignment like downplaying God. Choose God every time. And God's going to guide me. And in his guidance, he's guiding me to focus on my assignment. Everything else will follow and, and, and pan itself out. But... You know, that being said, I do still, 
go out of my way for people as much as I possibly can. I just can't do it, you know. I won't say all the time. It is all the time. I just can't do it properly as much as I want to or in a way that I want to. I have to do it when they are not focused on it. I have to do it when they're too focused on destroying this. You took your heart off of that. You took your mind off of that. So now I'm going to go and get this. I'm going to go get that. Oftentimes it takes never forgetting nothing. If you were worth it, if you helped me out in the process, it may come in a year's time, may come in six months time, may come in a week. But I'm going to remember you. I'm coming back for you. I will be helping you. They hate to see it. I've done it many times. I've come back for people and it's like, wow, you remember? Yes, I remember. I always remember. I always remember. I don't care. I'm going to help you because they will not keep me from doing God's good work. You are, if you're worthy, and we're all worthy, but you've proven you're worthy. I'm coming back for you. Oftentimes I have to, you know, pray and ask Jesus to, you know, cover, cover people with angels until I get back. Because they will know that I'm coming back. When they know that you've impacted me in that way, they know that I'm coming back. They will send special demons to prevent me from ever being able to get back to you. Or by the time I get back to you, you will be completely destroyed after all that they've put you to and tortured you through. Have a demon on you, telling you know, showing you to go down the, right, the wrong path just to hurt God, just to hurt me. This stuff is real. People don't think this stuff is serious. This stuff is very real. I can't even bring people names up like more than one time because they will think, oh, she she really likes this person. Start attacking them. Start really attacking them. Because then we're going to have this issue where she feels motivated. Even if I get motivated by you, if you're an inspiration, if you are a reason to keep going, they're going to attack you. So it's not selfish. It's not, you know, I'm not fake. I'm not any of those things, but they will make me look that way. They have the ability to do that, too, because when it comes down to it, if I have to choose what it look like versus what it actually is, you can have what it look like. So they're going to make me look however to you, you know, as long as I'm really doing what I set out to do for God. I don't care what I look like. I look like the bad guy. I look like, you know, I'm pursuing an issue with people. I look like I'm stupid. I look like I don't know what I'm doing. I look like I'm selfish. I look like I'm piggybacking off of God, which I am, you know, definitely calling on God and needing God for everything. Yes, I need him for everything, but I'm definitely not piggybacking, you know, because it's like God wants you to use him. And when it comes down to it, if you're going to use other things like manipulation, lies, cheating or Whatever other things in this world that you have, maybe it's not even manipulation, lying, or cheating, but if you're going to use anything else in this world to get ahead, why wouldn't God want you to use him to guide you? You still have to do the work, but you use God to guide you into what work to do. That's what it is. So that's where I'm at. And oftentimes, you know, I get these like supposed to be scares. They're supposed to be scares like. You know, they, they, they send all kinds of stuff to try and uproot my life so I can start fe- fighting a flesh and blood battle because they realize that they're not going to win in the spirit. As long as I stay fully armored up by God and in God, as long as I'm fighting for the right things and I do not fight them. First of all, don't fight them. They're not competition nor are they an enemy to me. You are not, you are not the battle. 
the battle is, first of all, within myself. I have to become everything I'm supposed to be in God. So the battle is within myself. And then after me, it's within my people. We're supposed to be coming together. So I'm not ever fighting you on a way where it's like, I got to win. I got to beat you up. If I am, I'm working to prone that, be prone, that for that to be pruned out of myself. But really, I'm fighting hatred. And the only way to fight hatred is to love instead. So that means I'll forgive you. I'll love you despite everything that you do. I'll be patient. I'll choose God. I'll do everything that I can to help you and work in your favor and not, you know, keep my heart, you know, as far away from as I possibly can off negativity and just pray positivity into your life because that's all I can do. And when it comes to fighting these demons, I'm sure it's a whole different, you know, ball game. It looks different, but at the end of the day, that's how you get them. You can't get a demon acting like a demon. The only way you can get these demons out is by showing love. Showing kindness, fighting for God's truth and God's word. When you imitate demons, what happens is you become one. You invite more. They start to try and want to possess your body if they already haven't. Because if you ever feel compelled to imitate a demon, they possibly are already working on you. So, I just, you know, I just have to keep moving forward and keep fighting. I feel like things have been weird lately. And, of course, it's like there's a threat on all, a bunch of different things in my life. But God has already shown me it's such a setup. It's such a setup. It's like they want you to focus on this so that you can lose confidence in God taking care of everything. Because I've already figured it out. When it came down to it, you know, despite everything else, all of their subjects, what the main focal point is they don't agree with God on a certain area. And so, therefore... They are against him. I won't say against him, but they are not. If you are not coming into agreement with God, if you're not with him, you're against him. You're not with God on that. You can't just pick and choose what you agree with God on. And then if you say, well, then if that's the case, then I just, I just, I'm done with God as a whole. If I don't, if I have to agree with that, then I don't agree with God. That's an issue. That's not going to work. That's not going to work. So I've been dealing with that inside of my family. And so I feel like they're already setting a bad example for anybody we come into encounter with. Because it's like I'm already fighting so hard for y'all in order to prevent y'all from going down certain routes that I already see the outcome of those routes. Oftentimes are selfish and inconsiderate. That's fine. You know, I don't like to believe that that's you. I want to fight for the you that I know that isn't selfish and inconsiderate, that, you know, is love. So with that being said, you know, these different environments, these different situations is frustrating. I don't want no one seeing that and being like, oh, well, she going she gonna to back you up when you're wrong. So we can be wrong. We just got to, you know, see, you know, how much she'll back us up. And it's like, don't, don't, don't be like them. Don't be like my family. Because God has already shown me. Oftentimes they're doing things because they feel like they can. Oftentimes they're doing things because they're like, oh, that's my family. I can just take advantage of her. That's my family. I just want attention, you know, and they're not, you know, wrong per se. It might just be habit. They are wrong, but it might just be habit. Nobody's perfect. Sometimes I do that too, but it's like, it's difficult for me because it's like, if it were somebody, somebody else, you wouldn't give them half as much of a hard time. And you have to understand how much that's weighing down on me, how much that's affecting the next person who wouldn't have even gave me the hard time that you 
ultimately would have just took not even knowing who somebody is. Just you as a whole, period. This is the work that comes with you, period. And you're putting extra work on that. And somebody else wouldn't even took the work that it would have te- it's it would have took from the jump with you. And you're you're preventing that. And you're not understanding how important it is you're not caring. So you know, sometimes you have to find it in somebody, but the fight is there. And I don't ever want to judge anybody and make it seem like I'm I'm better than them. But I am on different time oftentimes than a lot of people. I'm on different time. I'm on different time. You're you're like, you know, distracted by certain things or wanting to hang out in certain environments and you know, you think certain things that that comes with, you know, this fight for God is unnecessary. It's necessary. It's necessary. I've seen it. I've seen it work out for me. Some things I have yet to see work out, but I know, I, I believe, I can feel it in my heart. I can feel God confirm me. That's going to work out for you. And he has confirmed so many other things. So why would I start doubting him now? These things will work out. This stuff does matter. And different individuals who are playing over God, they will have to reap what they've sown. You're playing over him. Why would you play over him? He's already... You know, he's already covered you. He's already shown so much mercy and grace in in your, you know, direction. You're playing over God. Like, I, I know personally, you know, I have work to do. I've backslid and God is not taking that lightly. You know, there's so much to do inside of myself. Oftentimes I feel like there's so much more required of me. But... Other people around me, they're a bad influence. And God gave me a word like, you know, bad company corrupts good character. He had been screaming that out to me, but I had just been ignoring that part because I kept saying to me, I kept, well, excuse me, I kept saying, you know, he was, he was surrounded by, he, he, he had to do with Judas. Judas was bad company. You know, he had to oftentimes deal with Pharisees and scribes who convicted and condemned him. Oftentimes, a lot of people around Jesus had the wrong intent in their heart. He knew their hearts. Jesus prevailed past it. I want to be more like him. Yes, bad company corrupts good character. But at the end of the day, you have to be strong enough, just like Jesus was, to prevail past bad company. Sometimes you cannot help your environment or your circumstances. Sometimes you cannot help that they are a part of your ultimate destiny and that they have to stay. So what does that mean? That means become the type of individual who is strong enough to be able to come out as a better person and a best version of yourself despite those around you, despite their intent on destroying your best version, your best outcome. Don't let them, you know, choose for you. Never let them choose for you. Think for yourself. So that's where I'm at. But, of course, I'm battling things on so many different levels. So many different levels. When it comes down to it, you know, you know, it's so much stuff that's like being revealed and so much stuff that is going on as opposed to, you know, what I've already known and what's been kept from me for so long. And it's not that I'm just so eager to find out new information all of a sudden now, because even though I know there's a lot of people who want to keep me from this information, it won't change what it is God sent me here to do. That knowing this information doesn't change that. That's why it's not priority. It's not priority for me to know what's going on around me and everything that everybody's up to because that still doesn't change that still doesn't change the fact that God has me here 
doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So when you tell me everything that's going on, I'm supposed to be like, you know what? I don't think I want this assignment no more. Matter of fact, I don't even think I want to worship Jesus. At this point, why not worship Satan? I'm supposed to do that? No, I'm never going to do that. I can't do that. So that information becomes less of a priority. Yes, it can be helpful. Especially in oftentimes when I'm being overexerted and I'm exhausting too much energy in the wrong areas, which God will never let me do for too long, but it still does count. I can avoid bumping my head in certain areas when I do know certain information, but when it comes down to it, priority is choosing God no matter what comes up, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it is. That's what it is. Choosing him no matter what and staying strong and not, you know, giving up on all that he's shown me and exposed that it's necessary in this process. I've seen so much. I've seen, like, things switching around, things going on around me. Priority has been to focus on, you know, what God is guiding me to do, despite whether I know, you know, what it's looking like to other people, how people feel about it. I'm constantly being laughed at. I'm always being laughed at. And it doesn't feel good. No, of course, nobody likes being laughed at. But I'd rather be laughed at than, you know, laughed at for whatever reason that they're laughing at me for than them actually having any real, you know, any real, then that actual behavior actually holding any real weight. And it will only hold real weight is if, of course, I was being a hypocrite. If, of course, I wasn't being who God sent me to be, if, of course, I actually wasn't getting nothing done, if, of course, I actually wasn't doing what he sent me to do, if, of course, I actually was pretending, that's the only time your laughter whole weight. If I'm doing what he's calling me to do, even when I make mistakes, your laughter would never hold weight, and so that's why you laughing. So laugh if that's the case. If that's the case, laugh. You know, I'm not laughing at you, but Jesus told me to start learning how to. And when I do, what I'm going to be laughing at, I'm going to be laughing at the fact that you're laughing at me in hopes of throwing me off of the path that is the right path that you know is the right path because you are intimidated by the destination. That's what I'm going to be laughing at. So I'm not laughing right now. No, I'm not because right now it just feels like focus on not making mistakes. Focus on less mistakes and more progress. And then... That that'll catch up. It'll all catch up. The happiness, the being, you know, to the feeling good in whatever position I'm in, the the joy, the the laughing, the being able to laugh at you, it'll all catch up. Cause right now, of course, they don't want me laughing at them. They like if you waste time to laugh, then I'll get a better opportunity at attacking whatever it is that you're working on, and then I'll have a real reason to laugh. So me laughing right now will give you a real reason to laugh. You ain't laughing for nothing, so I don't gotta laugh. And that's what it come down to, and that's what it been. A lot of people, they put on a good show. They put on a real good show. They make it look like, you know, nothing that you do intimidates me. You ain't going to win, or I'm really, you know, I'm really, um, I'm really confident in the things that I do, despite the fact that, you know, they may be wrong, or I don't feel that they're wrong, or I believe in this, and you don't. I'm confident in this, and you're not. You know, they want you to believe that they're really that destructive, and they aren't. They're not. 
And that's that's been the biggest thing that has been blowing more, like blowing my mind as far as discernment goes. Some people are just, you know, you get down to the basis of it and you feel like the basis is real hatred and it ain't. It's not nobody really wants to be out here hateful all the time. Nobody really wants to be out here, you know, miserable or bitter. They really do want that spot in heaven. They really do want love from God. Yes, they do. I don't care what you say. No, this person, no. I'm telling you, this person, no. That's Yes, they do. Yes, they do. They want peace. They want love. They want joy. They want their heart to be cleansed. Some people can't admit it. Others can't. They are too embarrassed to admit it because they are ashamed that they've hated God and not even really hated him. But just they have felt, you know, they want to be spiteful towards God. They want to hurt him because they've been hurt by different things in their lives. They don't understand why they have to go through different things. They put on a good show, make people feel like they won't need him. They need him. We all need God. God is always telling the truth. So all these different experiences and different time point time periods where, you know, God has told me on so many different occasions, trust me, you get nothing over there. Nothing. And then they put on this big, big show all the time. Like, we have it all. This is where you want to be. We got it. We're good. And he told you you won't get nothing. See, that's why I'm saying that's why you shouldn't trust God. Because we got all this. He lied to you. That's a lie. Look at what we're doing. We can do all And they can't do nothing. They're not doing nothing. They look and seem and portray themselves to be so powerful. And they don't have no power. Just a false sense of it. What, is it, what does a false sense of power mean? That means you're telling yourself you're powerful when, you don't, when you're not. Like, when someone comes and boasts and brags as if they're so much better or bigger or popular or good-looking or all these other things, and, you know, they're not. Deep down, they're not. But they could put on a good show. They could put on a real good show. I don't want to put on a show. I don't want to do that, you know, unless that's what God calls me to do. I don't want to put on a show. I want it to be real. I want the real thing. I've wanted the real thing since I was young. Like, since I was really young, I've wanted the real thing. I've, I've, yes, I've been enticed and tempted by these different portrayals of, you know, the real thing. Like, but I've never been the type of person to say, you know what? I don't have that really had a real thing. I can just pretend like I do. No, I've been the type of person that's like, yeah, I'm enticed and tempted. By it looking like the real thing. When I find out it's not, I'm still going to be like, mm, I don't know. I think I think given an opportunity, I'm still going to fight for the real thing. I'm not just going to settle for no fake pretend type thing just because it looked like I got it. I know I don't have it. That It matters to me. At the end of the day, I got to I gotta be with me. With nobody else around. It's me and God. I got to be honest and, you know... Except I don't really had it. I ain't really doing it. You know, that's not really real. Like, even if I ever spend time in it, I want to come out of it. That's not my, I don't want that to be my forever. Not if I can help it. So, I know that's how other people feel. I know. And, no, I'm not about to settle for that. I'm not going for that. It, it break my heart. 
It really do. I haven't been able to cry lately as much as I would when I see certain circumstances because I don't want to bring alarm to newbies. But when it comes down to it, you know, this stuff breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart when I, I can see that you're lost. It breaks my heart when I can see areas that God can help you and you won't let them. It breaks my heart when you're starving and God has a whole feast for you, literally in a section with your entire name of it. Everything made for you, everything that he loves, that you love, he knows in your heart. You believe he don't know, you believe he don't care. He got all this for you right here. I see your section and you're like, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to be over there. You won't go get all this for you. rather starve or steal from me. So, that's sad to me, but it's difficult for some people to acknowledge or admit that they need God. You know? Because they felt like when they needed God, he wasn't there for them. But you got to never give up or lose hope. He always there. But that being said, you know, I feel certain things, you know, going a certain way. And, you know, I can't really say the certain thing that everything stands right now because I know that, you know, things are going to have to, you know, pan out. They're going to have to pan out for real. After everything I've seen, I I know that when it comes down to it, things are going to have to pan out. I will, I will not be fooled by thinking like, oh, this is what you see is what you get. It's not. It's not ever what you see is what you get. It haven't been from the jump. But, you know, things can't change. I never lose hope on things being better, becoming better, or changing for the better. Like, that's a part of having faith in God. Like, he might do it right now. You Like, you might think it was going to happen way down the line. He could do it right now. He can do whatever he want to do. But, you know, also, you know, standing, enduring. So that means, you know, if you've come accustomed, become accustomed to having to do things a different way or a certain way, that doesn't mean you lost faith in God. You know, quite the opposite. You're enduring until he comes through for you. And that's okay. Okay, so... talked about how God has been pulling me away from entertainment saying that we need to come out of these lifestyles where we depend on entertainment so much more than it's even actually worth. But I know that God, you know, oftentimes throughout my day, I'm asking him about everything. Everything that I do, everything that I'm into, everything that I gravitate towards. And he guides me to different things. And I know that, you know, he's guiding me in different places. Even if, you know, there's a place that I can be that's higher He'll grab it, you know, if I'm if I'm gravitating or backsliding, he'll still speak through things. So as far as entertainment, he speaks through movies, he speaks through songs, he speaks through words, he speaks through poetry. The Lord speaks to me through things. So I was watching Cradle to the Grave, which I've always knew it was a message there. You know, and then DMX, who has recently died, I've 
I've already gotten the word that, you know, he was close to the Lord, especially in his later days and how much that has impacted his lifestyle and then the fans, the listeners, and then besides the idolatrous point of view, just him, period, you know, the impact that he's made in his lifestyle and his work. So cradle to the grave and him being a part of that movie. I knew that there was a message there and I allowed God to speak to me through this movie. So what God brought to my attention was obviously throughout the entire movie Cradle to the Grave, they were fighting over diamonds. These diamonds were black diamonds, you know, and maybe rare. But what stuck out to me, which may not be super important, but it was definitely something that was a, you know, something that stuck out, something that was on my heart throughout the movie was the fact that in the movie, they smashed one of the black diamonds into pieces and they placed it into this device that would have amplified even just a piece of this diamond in order to somehow, you know, be used as a weapon of mass destruction. The Lord has been talking to me my entire life about weapons of mass destruction. And so I knew that this movie would be something he would speak to me through. Well, when they smashed the diamond, immediately my mind went to a place where I learned about diamonds. And I learned that they're the most indestructible. They're one of the most indestructible substances on earth. Now, I've been, my mind and my heart has been surrounding diamonds for a while. The reason being is because diamonds are usually associated with marriage, engagement. And I looked up the history on engagement rings and diamonds and where they were originally presented. A lot of people like to believe that this this is a pagan lifestyle. But as I've spoken about before, there's good and bad to everything. And if the diamonds are a natural substance that the Lord has provided, then there's good to them. Obviously, God is in everything. So with the fact that diamonds are indestructible, you know, one of the most indestructible substances. But let's give a little you know, roundabout for a mall. The fact of the matter is that diamonds are one of the most indestructible substances on earth, but they form from coals and under the pressure of heat and emits fire. They are formed into what you see them as the most, one of the most beautiful gems and one of the most sought, sought after gems. So the fact of the matter is, is that they are the, one of the most indestructible substances on earth, but they form from coal. One of, you know, something that could be possibly overlooked or looked or sought at or seen as cheap or seen as common. And something so rare can become of something after you apply enough pressure, after you, you know, apply enough heat and what you get is something very specifically expensive in our in our society. The difficulty with me in understanding that is, for one, how can you put a price tag on something that is indestructible made by God? After all the pressure and all of the heat and everything that something has gone through in order to become as beautiful as it is, it becomes so expensive. But who could put a price tag on something so priceless? That's something that's been in my heart for a while with diamonds. And then I looked up the, what they mean and what they actually 
add to anyone who possesses them. Diamonds, they have a natural, you know, ability to enhance whatever it is that it is, whatever the wearer is. So if you are, you know, if you are already beautiful inside of yourself, the diamonds enhance beauty. If you are greedy, the diamonds enhance greed. If you are powerful, the diamonds enhance power. If you are feeling low, the diamonds enhance that depression, low, the low feeling. And a lot of people don't like to see it this way. They believe that if I get a diamond, I'm worth so much more. If I get a diamond, I shine. If I get a diamond, I'm this and I'm that. But the fact of the matter is, and I've talked about this before, you have to shine before you put anything on that has a lot to do with God's message. You have to be grateful for whatever you have first before you get anything. Otherwise, you'll never be happy. And so this is something I feel that diamonds have a hidden message of. They enhance whatever you are. If you believe you need a diamond to shine, it will never make you shine. You have to shine before you put the diamond on. And that's a fact of the matter. But that also made me broaden my horizons and open my mind up to believe and understand that anyone who's capable of getting a diamond already shines before they put it on. It just enhances whatever it is that they have. That's not always true, of course, but most times it is. So that being said, you know, with all of this, you know, I studied diamonds for so long because the Lord wanted me to. The Lord put that on my heart to start it, to study diamonds. They're idolized in this world and they're seen as, you know, one of the most, you know, as I said, sought after. But one of the best gifts that someone can provide for you, a diamond. Everyone looks at looks for diamonds. We all hear about diamonds as a girl's best friend and all this stuff like that. But the idolatry of diamonds is to be studied. You have to do your research because the fact of the matter is you believe that when you get diamonds, you're worth so much more. But the diamonds only make what you are more. So if you're not worth nothing and you're looking for a diamond to put worth on you, it won't. It will enhance only what you have. So make sure you are worth everything before you look for a diamond that being said i don't want to discredit anyone who say who seeks after diamonds i like to believe you're already worth so much when you put a diamond on it just enhances what you're worth of course that's the idea that's why people seek after them that being said i want to give the history of diamonds and engagement engagement rings and weddings something that's been on my heart a lot lately which is a, a good reason why i gravitated towards this movie cradle to the grave the fact about diamonds a lot of a lot of people like to believe it's a pagan lifestyle to use wedding rings and diamonds in order to get engaged because a lot of people gravitate towards more lavish lifestyles and they need a diamond in order to signify, you know, riches and, you know, luxury. That's not necessarily the case. It started, the history of a diamond is, and you can look this up, is it started off with men wanting to they started to advertise diamonds as the perfect gift for a woman the perfect gift to get her to fall in love with you the perfect gift to get someone to gravitate towards you and the fact of the matter is is this is seen in so many different aspects of our of our world like 
with pe with peacocks. I've always loved peacocks. They're beautiful. They're gorgeous. And when they expand, you see the most beautiful colors, feathers, and the most beautiful view. I did a lot of research on peacocks growing up. The fact of the matter is, most of the time, the most beautiful peacocks that you see are male peacocks. And they use their beautiful feathers and their beautiful colors in order to attract female peacocks in order to reproduce. <clears throat> so, the fact of the matter is, is that oftentimes these things are used to attract others. Beauty is used to attract others. But in the animal kingdom, in the wild, this is something you're born with. It's instinct in order to attract your mate. These things are instinct. So what is the difference between human versus animal kingdom? We are all, at the end of the day, mammals. And so that being said, you know, as far as diamonds go, they're used to attract but at the end of the day, you already should have inside of you instinct, the things that are already beautiful enough, the characteristics inside of yourself that should be able to attract your mate. You should never be able you should never have to use a gym or anything outside of that in order to attract someone. The reason why diamonds have such a big name and also such a bad name, depending on which which, you know, side you fall on is because oftentimes they're seen as something to attract someone you don't need a diamond to attract you and at the end of the day if you do use it to attract someone the fact of the matter the fact of the matter is it has to only enhance what you already have so as far as diamonds and stuff go i've been debating whether i believe in it or not because it was marketed to begin with as something to attract someone. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to already have love. You're supposed to already have companionship. You're supposed to already have loyalty. You're supposed to already have these things in order for a diamond to even add anything to what you have. So people have, you know, been distracted. People have been misled into believing that a diamond brings that to the table. It never brings anything. What it does enhances whatever you already brought. So this is the issue with a lot of marriages today. A lot of marriages today, they're surrounded by the diamonds and the jewelry and the and expensive lifestyles and the luxury. But if you don't already feel luxurious, if you don't already feel expensive, if you don't already feel beautiful what can a diamond do for you this is why i don't necessarily believe in wedding rings and marriage so i've been debating on the fact lately even though god has been you know exposing this marriage thing he's been introducing marriage and different aspects of marriage a lot lately to me and i've had to do my research and really think deep on these different things and really realize like at the end of the day would i be okay with you know, just a simple dress, no makeup, no hair being done, no lavish wedding or 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 anything luxurious of that magnitude. Would I still be happy with my mate? Would I still want to be with this person, you know, for the rest of my life? Would I still never consider divorce? Would I still see everything that I would be marrying that person for despite the jewelry, the diamonds or anything added to it? And if that really is the case, do I need a diamond? 
And that's something I think we all need to consider because a lot of marriages nowadays and just period because we're not different. That's something God has placed in my heart so much. Nothing has changed about us as people. At one point it was gold and it was rubies and it was all kind of other gems. But recently for a while, it's been diamonds. And the fact of the matter is, it's like if with or without a diamond, would you still love who you who you're with? With or without a diamond ring, would you still marry them? There are a lot of people and a lot of different individuals and a lot of couples who they need these diamonds. They say he has to put a big rock on my finger in order for me to marry him. Or if he doesn't put a big rock on my finger, I don't know if I'm confident in the fact that he cares for me. Who will know before because a man or a woman could put a diamond or big jewels on your finger on your wrist and they could still not care for you and it would only enhance their not caring for you it would only enhance whatever you already have that's the fact of the matter you have to mean something has to mean something before but i'm confident in the fact that if you gravitated towards each other because of god's will and the fact that everything happens for a reason you guys already mean something to each other so make it count don't need a diamond to signify that. Don't need a diamond to define that. And I would never teach any girl, any woman, any man that these type of things signify your worth because you're already priceless. Jesus paid the price of his blood shed on a cross. And if you don't believe that Jesus' blood shed on a cross for you means more than diamonds, then you already have lost. You can never win with that mindset. And imagine putting a diamond on your ring and it only enhances shallowness, vanity, pride, and arrogance. You cannot go far with that. That's the fact of the matter. And the fact of the matter is that Satan is such a deceiver. He will offer you these things that only mean something when you mean something first. And if you don't know your worth, they will mean nothing. That's the fact of the matter. And that's what it's about. So this is what I try my best to, you know help people to get to the understanding of as long as I am fighting to get a better understanding of it myself you can wear nothing and mean everything and you can wear everything and mean nothing make sure you make it count and it matters so that being said if someone approaches you and you feel you're so worthy you're so you're so much worth like you know your worth these diamonds and whether they can provide them for you or not does not signify that if you know your worth, then that means that someone shouldn't have to provide you diamonds and a lavish lifestyle in order to signify what you're worth. There's way too many people out here today that says, I'm worth more than someone who cannot provide these things for me. And the fact of the matter is, if you knew that, then it wouldn't matter if they could provide it for you or not. And it also attests to the vision that God showed me. When he showed me this person, this version of myself and my future where I'm wearing all of these wonderful things, supposedly wonderful things. The fact of the matter is I was already the woman I was supposed to be in God outside of everything that I had on. So does it matter what you're wearing when you're already who you're supposed to be? None of that matters. Be who you're supposed to be first. Be everything you are supposed to be in God first. And then let everything else follow. And then when everything else comes, it'll be what it is, but it won't be everything. It should never be everything. 
That is the true key to happiness. Be grateful for what you have now or you'll never be happy because you're telling yourself, once I get this, I'll be happy. Once I get that, I'll be happy. You have to be happy with what you have now. And if you are not happy with what you have now, become the type of individual who is happy in everything that you are first. Then everything else will add to that. That's the point. Diamonds only enhance. They don't give you anything. They enhance what you already have. If you have nothing, they enhance nothing. Be something first. That's what matters. So I've been debating like I see all these lavish wedding dresses and lavish weddings and all these signs that it feels like are even from God because I had never been so had never felt so you know exposed to weddings and different things of this nature it's like God is throwing it in my face like this is what's upcoming for you and something that had been debatable throughout this fight is like should I focus on that more no absolutely not because at the end of the day the Lord had even shown me myself in just the most simple slip meaning the most simple dress and, you know, possibly not even a wedding ring. Just someone who truly loves me for who I am and who will never go anywhere. And if I'm so focused on what it is that I'm wearing or what it is this person has provided for me, then how could I truly appreciate what God has already provided for me? Someone who loves me for who I am. This, These are the facts. And this is something that I would, you know, this is something I live for encouraging in others. So, as far as the man, you know, the 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 battle that I think it feels that I've been facing, not that I'm so focused on it, but as far as men possibly not wanting to see a woman in that position, one thing that I can say is that maybe they're not so focused on not seeing a woman in that position, but more so understanding that the logic in men a lot of times is, I won't say it's not found in women, but it's, you know, more prevalent possibly in men. And I don't want to start enhancing that type of idea because it's not necessarily true, especially as I see that God is raising me up. And he's already put everything inside of me to know these things. He's already placed the power inside of me. And I know that these things are true. And if God can raise me up and I know these things are true, then how can that be true based off of a man versus a woman. So pretty much what I'm saying is, you know, oftentimes I believe that these men believe that they can understand that more. That it's about character, it's about who you are, it's about what you are bringing to the table and who you're na- who you naturally are, what's found inside of you based off what someone can provide for you. And oftentimes, as unfortunate as I, as it is for me to even speak of, sometimes it feels as if women cannot see past that. They won't want a man if he's not providing this. They won't want a man if he's not providing that. But I can't speak from a woman's perspective. Oftentimes, your mind can get the best of you and make you believe that a woman cannot see all that you bring to the table and still, you know, and still look forward to what you can provide for her. You are the provider. That's what you are supposed to do. You know? And a lot of men don't want to believe that. A lot of men don't want to accept that because they believe that that's all they're worth. 
oftentimes we can't get caught up in all that you are worth is what you can provide. That's not true. So let us all, you know, come to the understanding that we are what we are. We're born what we are. And nothing that you put on, nothing that you get in this world, nothing that you seek after in this world could ever add or enhance any of that unless, of course, you are already it. So be everything you are destined to be first. Be grateful for what you have. And if money or anything lavish or luxurious is what's keeping you attached to someone, then you have nothing. That is the fact. So that's something I feel like the message of this movie was, but also... Just a reminder. Just a reminder. What I need a diamond ring. What I need a luxurious wedding. What I need this big thing. If, of course, God is providing me the opportunity to be married to the person that I'm destined to be with for the rest of my life. That's something that I need to grasp and hold on to and never lose sight of. Yes, all that other stuff will be amazing. But first and foremost, be comfortable but never having received any of that because one thing you also need to take into account that our ancestors as black people they had nothing but the opportunity to jump over a broom in front of the pastor that's it that's all they had oftentimes they didn't have a diamond ring they didn't have a fancy dress they didn't even have a whole entire congregation in front of them their whole family and friends in front of them to see them be brought together and under God's name in marriage. So if you were only able to jump over a broom in a dirty shack, would you still love the person that you are with for the rest of your life? That's what matters. I think about this all the time. If you can't put on a fancy lavish dress, if you can't put on a big, you know, show and spend thousands of dollars on a wedding, would you still be happy with the person you are going to be with for the rest of your life? I would be happy if I had to jump over a broom with the person that was destined for me and God, if that's all I had. That's what matters. So whether a man puts a ring on my finger or not, it's not important. But at the same time, if he is able to provide that for me, will I be so focused on the fact that I don't need this to define me? Make sure you're doing it on both ends. If you can, provide it, fine. But don't put too much on it. Accept who you are, what you are, with or without it. That's what it's about. So that's something I feel like the message was about. And God does speak to you through entertainment. So make sure you're keeping your heart open for his word. I love him so much because I know that he's saying to me, the person that I'm going to send for you, you guys are already intertwined. You guys are already made for each other. Adam never had to put a ring on Eve's finger for her to be his rib. That's what it is. So we shouldn't have to be looking forward to rings, lavish wedding dresses, or weddings. Love who you are with and know that they are a part of you and that you guys are meant to be together, born for each other and God. And absolutely understand that without him, you guys would not be able to survive. Put him first. You need him. That being said... I know I'm being prepared for a union for life. I'm going to be patient for God and stay grounded. In the process, I'm fighting all kinds of mindsets that makes you believe that if I can provide this and I can provide that, am I better than someone who can't? You're absolutely not better than someone who can't as long as they know 
that everything that could or should or would be needed for a union for life is already found inside of them and not what they can provide. And this oftentimes is the logic that men are focused on, whether they show you or not. The fact of the matter is, we as women, oftentimes in order for men to feel as if they can even achieve us, they feel as if they need to be able to provide this type of you know, assurance. I can provide the luxurious lifestyle. I can provide the money. I can provide the, you know, flashiness. They don't need to have to provide that. You're supposed to be okay with everything it is that they already are. And if you aren't, whatever it is that they can provide, is that better? Is that worth it? Does that mean anything? This is the battle I'm facing right now. But I trust God to bring me through it. I trust him to provide someone that whether I have a ring on my finger or not, we are already intertwined for life. That's what it is. So, it's not a new conversation, but it's something that's been on my heart lately. And I'm sure that God has me on her talking about it for a reason. I hope that it can get to the right ears. I know that it will because I've prayed that it will. That being said, seek God first. Everything else will follow. Okay, so I just woke up from another vision. In this vision, I was spawned. I'll say spawned because, like, I don't know where I come from. I don't know if I was there the whole time. I couldn't have been there the whole time because I don't even know how, you know, the beginning of it started. But I'm in a car. And it reminds me of my mother's old car, Lumina, but it became my dad's car. Um, all I know is I'm in a back seat and I just wake up there and I wake up there. My dad is driving and it's this girl in the front seat. This girl is like riding around with him and we're like riding around like a school area. It's like a school area. And all I know is... It's dark outside, and I'm like, where's she come from? And he's like, you know, I just picked her up from the health game, and I haven't heard that term since high school, since, like, middle school. Like, health games, stuff like that, you know, stuff they do in school. But my dad's like, give her give her your phone. Give her your, um, your phone, your minute phone. And... I refer to these as Obama phones because if anybody remembers when Obama was president, he started giving out free phones, you know, with free minutes every month. So I was like, I got an Obama phone. I just get, I'm like, I didn't mind. I just gave her the phone. And then, you know, she's kind of surprised. Like, wow, you just give me your phone. And I'm thinking like, it's an Obama phone. Like, I don't. I don't care that he got me give you that, give you that. You know, I think you have one yourself. They all, they free or whatever. But at the same time, like I got an iPhone. You know, this just my little extra, so that's cool. And you know, I was like, you know, what's what's going on here? Like, kind of kind of trying to figure out what's going on. And my dad, he's just like, you know, he not really talking for real, but. You know, she's like, she's cool, though. 
and we're just riding we're not even far from her school and she's just like yeah you can just drop me off right here and it's like back at the school at the health game you know i'll get picked up from there and i'm just like you know how you, you know how you meet her how you find her how you come across her but i'm still questioning a lot of stuff like how he's driving and he's like picking up people and they just feel like he's a younger age he had to be like 10 years younger and I was probably like 10 years younger I was like 12 I think and this girl she had to be like 16 17 years old but you know none of this stuff is weird to me because I'm still thinking in my head like I'm really not 12 I'm 24 and my dad's really not like you know the age that he is now he's like 50 something so this is not even real. But I was just more trying to observe, like, why we need, like, where we meet this person. And if if we met her, does that mean she's a part of what's going on here? You know, and how much do she know and what's really going on? And why would she need my Obama phone? So I gave her the Obama phone. I'm thinking, like, what's in the Obama phone? Which one? Because I had so many Obama phones in my life. I'm like... Is this the one I, you know, I really needed when I had no phone? But I'm like, no, because I got an iPhone. Then it's like, is this the one I just use? It's just like disposable for the minutes, you know, just to have it. And I feel like that was the answer because I had my iPhone. And I'm like, who's here with me besides my dad and this girl? Because, you know, I just always feel like somebody else is around and, I felt like that feeling, like someone was holding my arms again. Like, in so many different visions, I always get this feeling, like, as soon as I start start getting, like, worried or self-conscious about, like, what what is really going on? What am I doing right now? It feel like somebody's holding my arms. feel like somebody's holding me, holding me up. And I'm like, all right, so somebody's holding me, and I don't know who it is, but... I brought up everything like I usually do because I can't help but to think about this kind of stuff, you know. What what am I doing here? Like, what is going on? Are we free? Are we good? Should I be, you know, treating this like this is normal? Because it's just, I don't know. I don't know. I'm always spawned into these visions and I'm different ages and I'm different places with different people. And I just don't know what's up. So I asked a lot of questions, and I didn't mean to, like, scare this girl because I think that possibly she heard everything I was saying and was thinking. And I possibly told her about everything that's been going on lately, about, like, you know, these celebrities and this fight with, you know, the devil over my family and, you know, me holding on to God and me being transformed and all this stuff. And just me, like, fighting for our people and me wanting us to win and stuff like that. I woke up from this vision and all I know is I felt weird. I felt different. Like, stuff kept getting repeated in my head, but I couldn't, like, I'm not really fighting it for real, you know, because I don't know what's really up. And I'm still trying to hold on and be patient to what's been going on lately. And I'm just like, you know, what's really up? And all I know is, like, you know, I just started hearing these, like, words, like, 
where I started hearing a little conversation like, you know, um, I just kept hearing your jokes. Like, all your jokes about Obama phones and stuff like that. And I was like, I didn't even know I was telling jokes, you know. But, because I thought I was just wondering different stuff. Because I'm scared to think like, Obama phone, Obama phone, what's your, what's your got no phone? I wish you need my Obama phone, but I'm always happy to help. You don't got no phone, you don't feel safe. Or if you don't got no phone and it's dark outside, you need to get home. It don't even matter. I'll let you have it. It's whatever. So... Um, I noticed like my dad, he was free enough to drive a car around, pick somebody up. But in the last vision, I saw it look like he was a, you know, a slave. And I be worried about that a lot. So I was thinking about that too. But now, now I look back in hindsight, it looked like, you know, what it was, what was trying to be said was like, you know, I was watching Cradle to the Grave, and in Cradle to the Grave, the little girl, she digged through the truck, and she found a little phone, and she called her dad on it. And so I'm thinking, like, okay, that's probably why I'm having this vision, because of that moment when she picked up the phone and called her dad, I was rooting for her. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, yes, like, I'm glad this little girl's smart, and she fighting for her life. And she found a phone to call her dad, like, that's an ideal situation. It's not ideal for her to be kidnapped, but it's ideal for her to have found that, that that way. So possibly that's why I had this vision of, you know, me, a phone, and my dad, and a girl. That being said, you know, it feel like now, it feel like it's being said to me, like, well, when you said something about that phone, you know, they they start, you know, panicking. They start trying to, like, I don't even say panicking, but they just start getting a little worried. Like, how they going to get you out of here? How they going to get away with this stuff? So that's why they ask for the phone. They ask for the phone to get the phone off you. Cause they, and I've dealt with this before. Like, when I was at some point in some place in my fight, you know, different stuff was happening like I got into a car accident and I was wondering about the car accident and I was praying and worshiping to God and everything and you know Cardi B showed up and she was with my sister and she was just like it was just like this feeling like yeah she got your car like she found she got your car she was searching through your car for you know whatever it is that you hiding to try to you know um to try and figure out why this stuff is going on and how to, you know, how to stop it, I guess. And I was like, that's not going, that's not the answers. You know, the only time I feel like people really feel like it's something that it is that I'm doing, like it's something it is that I actually have and they have to get to it in order to stop this stuff from happening is when they don't realize that this is God or they don't want to acknowledge that it is. And it reminds me of this word God had given me. He had shown me, excuse me, a scripture to support it in the Bible that says that, you know, unbelievers, they don't 
they don't they don't they don't comprehend the word of God. They don't understand it. They don't know. And so they're always asking, what's the secret? What's the secret? What is it that, you know, you, you know, you're you got what is it that you hide and how are you doing this? And you always tell them, like, it's the word of God, it's God, it's Jesus, it's it's the Bible. I'm the, I don't have anything. You know I don't have anything. You're watching me, or you have capable access to anything I will possibly have. I don't have nothing. And if you haven't found nothing, it's because it's God. And this scares the mess out of unbelievers. Because, you know, oftentimes they don't understand their time is up. You know, there is a God in heaven. And this wickedness, these wicked schemes that, you know, people devise in their hearts, they will not last forever. Before I went to sleep, I got a word from God that said, do not envy the wicked. There will be consequences. God will avenge you. You are not alone. No one is going to get away with, you know, torturing you and tormenting you. You know, no one is going to get away with, you know, trying to steal your destiny or trying to steal your power in God. No one's going to get away with these things. And it's amazing to me how they will have access to information like the fact that I'm a demon hunter, you know that I'm a demon hunter, you know that I'm the one to be after, you know that I am a believer, but you don't know that this is God doing all the work for me? How is that possible? But it also reminds me of this word I had just gotten. And this word was, you know, I know who Jesus is. You know, Jesus is the one who has someone sniffing way over there for for you know information or for you know solutions to get rid of you or get rid of this issue you know that they have acquired for themselves because of you and them dealing with you and the answers are you know only Jesus and you know the answers that's who Jesus is Jesus is the one who has someone way off track when it comes to terms of figuring you out or figuring your situation out in order to beat you and you are so far ahead of them because of God. They are nowhere near the answers. They are nowhere near figuring it out. That's who Jesus is. And I was reminded of that. And I said to myself, you know, wow, I'm so glad I got that word again because it felt so good the first time I got it. And I think it's going to feel good every single time I get that word. The fact of the matter is, you know, a lot of people will feel like they have you, you know, in the knuckle book. A lot of people will feel like they have you, you know, trapped and you have no way out, but you are always free in God. He is your freedom. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And don't you ever forget it. Don't ever switch your 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 heart. Don't ever switch your mind. Don't ever change your faith for nothing. Don't ever choose anything but God, no matter what you're going through. You're always going to be okay in him. And the people who think that they have plans for you, the people who believe that they will defeat you, the people who believe that you are going to be, you know, thrown away or done with, they have no chance of getting anywhere near God's plans for you. They are so far off track. Like the hot and cold game, they are cold. 
They are absolutely cold. They're not even warm. They're nowhere near God's plans for you. So you are so far ahead of them. And so this is also another thing that I that's been on my heart, especially with the turtle versus the rabbit game. I mean race. And God telling me I'm the turtle. You know, it reminds me of that, but it's like with God is so much bigger and deeper because this is why I wonder how I'm the turtle. If I'm the turtle and the rabbit would automatically have won the race if they didn't fall asleep, then how come they're always so far away from the finish line? The rabbit is always, you know, so far ahead of the turtle. So how come I'm always so far ahead? And that's who God is, you know. Whether you're a turtle or a snail or you're not even in a race at all, you're still always winning with God. That's what it is. So I see that that's happening again. And I realize, like, God is trying to show me, like, you have nothing to worry about. You don't have to, you know, cry. You don't have to stress yourself out. You don't have to fret because the Lord is fighting your battles for you. The Lord is finding your battles for you. It's okay to let go. It's okay to trust him. It's okay to choose him always. No one will ever beat him ever. He's so, even the smartest here, they're just a fool to God. The strongest here, they are weak to God. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Anything is possible with God. We can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens us. This is the fact. So I see God, you know, he got my back always. And I'm so glad to choose him no matter what. Even though he will choose me even when I'm not. So it's beautiful to know this stuff. I'm always praying. I'm always staying prayed up. Because I know there's things and different you know, forces I'm fighting on so many different levels or so many forces God is fighting for me on so many different levels and they love to catch me slipping. But I'll just, just pray. Even when it feels like it's doing nothing, even when it feels like you're nobody, even when it feels like nothing is happening, prayers work. And that's another word I got recently. It's like the one thing I do know, those prayers do work, baby. Those prayers work. They work. My prayers are working. And I'm praying over my family. I'm praying over everybody involved in this situation. I'm praying over everybody to get their salvation in God. I'm praying that this rapture happens soon. And I'm praying that I go. This is what it's about, you know. I believe in Jesus. And I believe that they are, you know, there are demons. There are forces. There are dark principalities of darkness in the heavenly realms that are counting counting on your demise but they will never win they don't know what to attack they still looking for an actual object to put it on they think you're possibly using something like money or phones or cars and the idea is you know why would i need that when i have god but that shows you what their mind is People who are fighting against you, they have no idea the power of God. They couldn't because if they did, they would not be fighting against you. And the fact of the matter is, you know, 
that's that's how they work. People use money against you. People use objects, things that you find in this world to fight a battle that is out of this world. So when you come out of this world, you will find that they can't they don't stand a chance against God and you. That's what it is. So that's my word. And you know, I should feel much more motivated right now, but I, I got too distracted on someone saying I was joking too much and making so many jokes and stuff and I didn't even realize it. So I know I'll feel better. I love God for everything he's doing for me, even when I'm backslidden, but it will be okay.